Hello and welcome to another interview for my blog and podcast, A Rich Comic Life. My name is Richard Gill and my blog describes my experiences of watching 1,000 comedians and counting over the last 48 years. My guest today is the wonderful Kate Copstick. Yeah, <laughs> thank you, thank you. Uh, you you must hello. Uh, you must have made a mistake. I'm not the wonderful Kate Copstick. I'm the other <laughs> Kate Copstick. I'm the horrible Kate Copstick. You know I'm a big fan. <laughs> well, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for doing this. It's it, it's an absolute pleasure talking to you. Um, well, we've barely started yet, Richard. This could get messy. We we are going to go right back to the start of your wonderful career. Wow. And I, the first question is, I'd like to ask you, what made you have a career in culture and arts in the first place? Well, um, <clears throat> plan A, well, not plan A, but I studied law. I did a law degree at Glasgow University. Right. Um, Again, heavily influenced by uh, a a television series at the time called Justice, starring Margaret Lockwood. Uh, And I had got the misbegotten idea that lawyers were there to help people, you know, that it was about justice. So uh, a year's apprenticeship in Glasgow, very, very, very seriously disabused me of of that idea i just i'd know am i allowed to swear richard yes whatever you want i'd no idea that the the legal system the, the kind of soit disant justice system was such an absolute shit heap <laughs> um and <laughs> i i very very i very quickly realized that it it wasn't about justice or truth or fairness or anything. And um, I'm quite a volatile person. And I thought, if I stay here, I'm going to do something incredibly stupid. Um, So the only other thing that I'd always, you know, even as a child, uh, was acting. I used to produce, insofar as you could produce in your own bedroom, uh, little shows for the family with my luckless uh, sisters and brother. Um, uh, they were triplets. So uh, I I thought if my mother uh, was thoughtless enough to give birth to three children at one time, I may as well try and get something out of it because they were getting all the attention. So mm. I used to write little plays and little musical comedies and terrify them into taking part although I was always the star um, <laughs> in our house you know it was always always we Sunday lunch was always round the horn and so yeah. comedy has always been a huge huge part of our family life and you know all our little family catchphrases most of them were sort of from uh, uh, old old comedy shows. My mum was in the local operatic society. I joined the local operatic society, and then uh, I I'm really quite a crap person. I'm a sort of lazy person, and I like doing things that I'm good at. 
And lo and behold, it turned out I was good at singing. And so I went to singing lessons and that was really the start of it. Um, I, I did, doing uh, the, the, the kind of people that, that we mixed with uh, in the legal uh, profession, they were a huge door that opened for me into I suppose, the criminal classes. But I, I suppose I was very, I suppose I was a ramp, a kind of a snob, because I thought, uh, um, basically, anyone, you can do anything as long as you work hard enough and apply yourself. And people that that doesn't happen for are just not trying hard enough. And um, doing being uh, in the criminal in a criminal law practice in Glasgow, you very quickly realise that that is absolutely not the case. And um, when I went into sort of performing, <clears throat> I did a long stint with the Craig Miller Festival Society. In uh, if you, I'll give you my first big number. With the Craig Miller Festival Society, there was myself, uh, a very, very talented actor called Ian Wotherspoon, with whom I went on to do many other things, and a kind of a random Kiwi bloke who uh, was, I don't even know why he was there. And uh, we were uh, minstrels. <laughs> the venue was Craig Miller Castle, because, wow. which is a ruin, which is a ruin. Yeah. Because in those days, the fringe was a fringe. It was a proper fringe. And we were in Craig Miller Castle, freezing our, what's it, <laughs> up a tower. And then every so often we would come down the tower, barely able to move with a hey, nonny, no, and a hey, nonny, no, hey, nonny, nonny, no, hey, nonny, nonny, no, and then go back up the tower. Really? So that was kind of um, my introduction to, uh, apart from the amateur stuff, and after that, I wrote, I put together a kind of comedy musical cabaret show called Chasing Rainbows. Right. And, uh, and I did that with Ian Wotherspoon. It was, um, I'd found this book of ancient radio um, adverts. You know, wake up your liver bile with, <laughs> with Carter's little liver pills. Um, and we, I turned that into uh, Uncle Victor Gilbert's radiophonic rainbow of oh, and um, and so Ian and I did that all over the place, and it got us our equity cards. But it also really, <clears throat> I loved the comedy, you know, and I loved the people laughing, and I loved playing with how to make the people laugh or how much to make the people laugh. I mean, I realize this is not stand-up, but it was comedy and it was, you, you learn, you know, you can eyeball somebody in the audience and if you get them right, then they're kind of like a little, a little fire starter and their hilarity can spread. I mean, it was, so I did several of these comedy, one was called It's Nice to be Nasty. 
<laughs> they were all kind of comedy, um, musical comedy and yeah. uh, musical links in between. That got us our equity card. And um, I, hmm, I had this idea that that would be it. It was kind of like, here. and then I went to Scotland then. That was like the 80s, end of the 70s and the 80s. It was all very, you know, Cheviot Stag and the Black Black Oil. It was all <laughs> quite grim. It was John McGrath. It was 784. It was, um, we were all very angry. And nobody was very impressed that Ian and I were running around doing comedy songs, uh, you know, dressed in 1920s outfits. I remember I went for an audition uh, and it was Kate McCall who... Uh, who was doing the audition and she kind of went, oh yes, you're the cabaret girl. <laughs> Sounded like, a, and I, I, uh, I very, you learn, you know, the, when I was, as I say, when I, when, when I was much younger, I genuinely thought that anyone could do anything if you just tried hard enough. Mm. I'd never experienced a kind of um, any of the isms, you know, there was the the political people didn't like the, at that point, didn't like the, you know, the cabaret people, the, the, the divisions, uh, and not just the divisions, but, you know, at the top, there was, you know, uh, in terms of theatre, you know, to John McGrath and all of that, it was, at that time, it was all very political. And then the political people didn't like the posh people because they epitomized everything that was bad. And then, but they didn't really like cabaret people either because they were a bit frippery. And, <laughs> and you know, we were like, oh God, how po-faced can you get? And <laughs> I, I used to go, they just shout all the time. My dad has a big thing about going to the theater and being shouted at. Um, so it was a whole new world and it was a world. And this, this goes into comedy where there wasn't a best, if, if you know what I mean. Yeah. I've yeah. done, I did very well at school. I did a law degree. There's a right and a wrong. And the person that scores the most points is best. And there's no two ways about it. You can't say you're better than me because I got 85 and you got 63. So I'm better than you. You then go into um, uh, theatre. Even theatre is not as frightening as comedy in that because you're going, well, oh, you've got to like this. It's bloody Shakespeare, isn't it? You can't say, <laughs> you know, you can't say it's rubbish. <laughs> this is George Bernard Shaw. You know, so you've got a safety net. And... Yeah with comedy, especially stand-up, there's no safety net. And yeah. there is no best. I mean, I know there are, nowadays, everyone and his mother and father and what, are going along to comedy courses and whatnot. But every, funny is in the eye and ear of the audience. So that, to me, as a point scorer was terrifying, you know, as a performer also because 
uh, once I, I did, I did a very little catastrophically bad uh, stand-up. I used to do I am seed. And, but in my head, I mean, I just wasn't grown up enough. In my head, it was still, if I do this clever stuff, yeah, you know, witty, wordplay, all of that, then I'm good because technically it's good. And as I say, this was in the end of the, this was in the 80s in Glasgow. And really, that was, you know, Jimmy Carr would have died on his arse. <laughs> um, it's, um, it, it, it was, it was all very different from, I mean, I, not just out of my comfort zone, I didn't even know that there was a zone where, yeah, where it yeah. was. And nothing worked, if you know what I mean. The, just be clever didn't work. Did lots and lots of things. And uh, now, you know, with hindsight, I, I, I can see exactly how and why I was so bad. Um, and... It's, I, I think probably people who are a bit control freaky, which I was and still am to an extent, they don't roll so much with the, you've got, if you're going to do control freak comedy, if you're going yeah. to do the one-liners, the, the, the perfectly timed things, if you're going to be Jimmy Carr, you've got to be brilliant or it's just not going to work. You're just going to be pointless, uh, a person saying pointlessly nasty things. He is brilliant. It is crafted. It's diamond. Even if you don't like it. Yeah. Yeah. Even if you don't agree with it. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, so then I, I mean, I got into uh, television presenting and whatnot. And that was, that was huge huge fun um and you know i don't want to diss any uh, television money for old robots <laughs> anyone was, you know was. anyone who's you know it's <laughs> there's people there's still people down mines what and you're there yeah, yeah. <laughs> in a brightly colored top going hiya kids no not work it, not it, hard it, work it was children's TV presenting, wasn't it? At play school I started with. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I'm practically a fucking icon, Richard, basically. <laughs> you are, um, I'm delighted. <laughs> I've had uh, a close personal relationship with uh, Jemima Hamble. Wow, wow. Ted, little Ted. <laughs> and Big Ted, quite frankly, wasn't that big. Um, <laughs> but it was... There were a lot of really talented people uh, working on it and presenting it. Really, really, really uh, talented people, and it was it was fun and it was very honest. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean, yeah. um, and I think, I mean, I was I got this. I done it, and that's what it was. Off the back of doing Chasing Rainbows, uh, I got a presenting job at STV. Some it was a kind of a uh, an environmental show, um, and off the back of that, I got asked to my 
my agent in Glasgow, mentioning no names, Ruth, um, uh, she said to me, well, of course, of course, you realize, Katie, <laughs> Uh, you realize that, you know, someone like you, you're not really going to work until you're well into your 40s. Wow. Which, I wish wow, you wow, wow. You're a bit of an ugly bint and hopefully you will grow into your lack of good looks. Um, wow. But I got, I, I got asked to go down and uh, audition for, or to, to be seen for play school. And I thought this is, this can't be right. I don't speak like, you know, her off the BBC. So, <laughs> I, and I thought they can't, they, they really can't mean me. So <laughs> I went down and I made a big decision. <clears throat> I thought, I'll go in and talk like this. I'll talk the way people talk on BBC television. And that will be marvellous and maximise my chance of getting the job. <laughs> So <clears throat> uh, I was early, of course, always early, because um, I have to get the police, then phone my dad to let him know I'm I've, I've arrived and I'm not going to miss anything. So uh, I was in the canteen and I bumped into this nice guy. I'm, oh, sorry. And I went, oh, blah, blah. so we were chatting and I went, I know I'm here. Uh, do you know where East Tower is? Because I'm here to audition for play school. And he went, oh, right, well, it's there, there. And I went, I'm absolutely petrified because I obviously don't sound like a, like a BBC presenter. And I said, so I, I thought I'd talk like this. <laughs> and uh, what, do you, what do you think? And he said, well, you know, you, you could, but I don't think it's necessary. <laughs> so I thought, well, I'll maybe think about it. Up we go, up into the audition room. And the bloke that I'd spoken to was the series producer. Oh, wow. Wow. So I just kind of went, well, that idea has gone for a burden. <laughs> but um, I did, what did I do? I did a couple of, I think I might have done one of the funny comedy songs that Rolf Harris used to wow. do. Wow. I know, I know. <laughs> Nobody knew then. Nobody knew. No, no. Uh, I did, and I'd taken this massive puppet, and I basically just did a double act with the puppet, which was heavily based on... Her heralding Eric Morecambe and his giant puppet. That's, that's exactly... <laughs> you know too much, Richard. It was, you know, all the kind of, it was, you know, that whole, uh, what do you think of it so far? Rubbish! So, but they thought that was hilarious. <laughs> got the job, and it was just great. I mean, it well, well done you. That sounds fantastic. It was, it was great, great fun. Um, although you know, it wasn't like you're working here for six months. You'd maybe do one week every six yeah. weeks or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Uh, but it was fantastic. And then I did a thing called Up Our Street. I did a whole load uh, of them. I did Whiz. It was called Whiz. It was the, the uh, hello. About <laughs> like that. She was a robot. No, she was a droid. <laughs> so she was like the BBC Children's Television's first kind of high tech 
because I stood still a lot and they zipped me around and everything was um, uh, everything was fake and it was all projections and it was just me and a small little thing called Bug who was my friend <laughs> so I, listen snigger you may I'm not <laughs> I was on top of nothing pops well, we well had, done. I know. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, little Gary, what was his name? The, the, the kind of little Gary, what was his name anyway? And Mike Smith. Yeah, Gary and Davis. Little, Gary Davis, little Gary Davis. So little Gary Davis and slightly bigger Mike Smith. <laughs> and um, uh, uh, we did, I, I actually, I came down this shoot and performed wow. the Whiz Rap. Wow. Oh, yes. Oh, wow. yes. I think we what, made, a, what a career you've uh, had. It's I think we made, yeah, I think we made number 5,426 in the charts. But that was great fun. <laughs> and, no, I've done, you know, it's been, I, all, I do think, and my grandmother, everybody's told me, my father tells me on a regular basis, that I've never really stuck to one thing. Yeah. So, and if I had, who knows? Richard? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's who very, knows? it's very similar to me. I, I, I was born in Carlisle, um, and uh, I used to uh, go on seaside holidays with the family, and I used to look at all the old end of the pier posters, which I yeah. love. I love all those old variety bills. And um, the first act I ever saw live with a family was uh, Les Dawson in 1974. Ah. And then a year later, we saw Tommy Cooper and I got the bug for the, for <laughs> what I did was I, I, I have this enormous spreadsheet where I've got every single act listed that I've seen with every single venue. And I've uh -huh. done the same with films. I've done the same with plays. My, my brother makes adverts. We're very, artistic family very cultured yep. but my um work led me to um admin so i've been more i did business studies side. correct me if i'm wrong but that's not particularly artistic i know it starts with an a but admin, <laughs> artistic <laughs> No, I, I, I work, uh, I've done admin for 30 years, but as a passionate hobby, which is how right. the blog became a lot long. Ah, it, right. it, it, it was the comedy. My brother makes adverts. My dad was in an amateur dramatic uh, um, theatre group in Cumbria. And he, he my dad's legacy was um, he uh, was a union man and he became president of Nalgo. Uh, and as a result of that, he uh, his legacy was he formed Unison, and where I am now, um, I, I yeah I I I came to London. I did seventeen years in the civil service. I worked eleven years in a school, and I've just got a job now in a council, which I absolutely love. So the work is fine, but. I live for the comedy, and I yeah. and, and I had this these great long lists, and I thought. Who's gonna wanna read this? You know, why am I doing this? And then um 
my friend who runs her own business said this is crying out for a blog or a, or a book and i and i i've written a script for a book it's about a thousand pages but i couldn't afford the publicity the, right. the, the publication so my mate said do it as a blog which i did and then we started getting the numbers in and then my other friend said do a podcast and i said what's a podcast uh, but it's just taken off and That's and Oh, I, I love it. I, I, I live for it. It's given me the most amount of confidence, meet extremely interesting people like your good self. <laughs> it's just wonderful. It's, 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 it's so, so good. So thank God it's back. Um, uh, Absolutely. Um, yeah. Um, and, um, but uh, anyway, um, I want to find out more about your charitable organizations. Can you tell me more about your work with those, please? Well, 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 um, my, I've only really got one. I feel, yeah. you know, uh, I'm knackered enough just with one. <laughs> and I, a long ages ago, yeah. I did, I met with the BBC because I graduated from running around in outrageous costumes to directing and producing. And uh, although I still given half a chance to run around in an outrageous costume, I'd be there. <laughs> anyway, I made a documentary, which was the first ever documentary about children and HIV. Right. Because of course, as we know, Richard, the best way to protect uh, children is just not to tell them about anything at all. Uh, so you don't give them any real information on HIV and they won't ever get it. Yeah. So uh, that was very well received. I ended up co-founding uh, a children's AIDS charity, but that, how do I, it was wonderful, but it was a pretty much all white charity. Right. Very middle class and in a world in a, in a UK where 99% of the 765 children who were positive at the time were from sub-Saharan Africa. Mm. And I thought, why don't we go there and see if there's anything that, you know, just in terms of education, I had no idea, I'd never been, I'd been to Morocco, but I'm not sure that counts as Africa. Um, so, off I went, and it's just, it's not like comic relief, I can tell you that. <laughs> and uh, it, the women there are just unbelievable. The strength, the ingenuity, they're, they're amazing people. I've not, I've never met women I don't really like, I mean, you probably have got a terrible reputation for being a woman hater uh, here in terms of uh, reviews I've given and whatnot. I just, I don't, sometimes I, I find women in perf the performing arts a bit, I don't know, oversensitive and almost expecting a couple of brownie points for having breasts. I, know uh, and I, yeah, I just yeah. think, you know, you, you earn your brownie points and being born with what will eventually grow into a breast. Yeah. 
uh, is not one of them. Anyway, the women there, oh, oh, just incredible. And living in the most horrendous circumstances. Uh, so 2008, I went there. I, I just, I don't know why I would have gone then <clears throat> because all over the news was the post-election violence in Nairobi and the whole place was on fire. And then I arrived going, it's all right, I'm here now, what can we do? What a Muppet. I mean, I don't know why I went <laughs> However, I arrived and fought my way through dozens of um, uh, Save the Children and Oxfam workers who were leaving because it was dangerous. And um, my by then, like my sort of best friend, Felista said, we have to save the women, which I thought was really quite a big ask, as the cliche goes. Um, but what was happening was that, that uh, when certain areas were being firebombed and whatnot, and women would just grab their youngest child and run to this area uh, just outside uh, called Jamahuri, and you'd kind of live, they'd kind of live under a bush. And um, so Felicity said, ah, oh, we must save the women. I thought, really? But I went with her. She's a very, very difficult woman to say no to. Um, and the, the first night, we, we kind of rescued about 12 women and we in a pickup truck uh, and their babies. I don't do babies. I don't like babies. But quite a lot of the time, they go with women. So, um, uh, uh, so the next morning we were sitting in the dirt, but the sun. And I said, undoubtedly, the smartest thing I've ever said to anyone in my entire life. I said, uh, how do you want me to help you? which I mean, really very unlike me, because normally I'm under the misapprehension that I know the best thing for everybody. But for some reason, I said, how do you want me to help you? And then immediately thought, oh, shit, they're going to want a house. <laughs> and they said that before, like the, the few nights before they'd been firebombed out of their lives, each of them had had a small business. One had sold knickers. Uh, one had sold giseri, which is like a, a snacky mix of maize and beans. Tiny, tiny. So basically you would have a metre square and you that was your shop. And, you sold. and they, this woman said to me, she said, if you will help us start our businesses again, and she said, we will take it from there. And I thought, wait, God, hello, you're living in a hole in the road. You don't know where most of your family are. They're probably dead. You've got absolutely nothing. And you're saying to me, if I can come out and buy you a load of panties, then that's it. And they were like, we will do the business. Wow. And, that, and then I was like, okay, wait a minute. How much is this going to cost? Because I 
no idea, you know. And we did, I had my little Guy Pierce moment. Wasn't attractive, but I like to think of myself as a charitable Guy Pierce because I didn't have any paper, but we right. didn't have a pen. So white skin is, it's not good for much, but it's good for doing mathematics on. It turns <laughs> so I had, I had all the calculations. <laughs> and then we went and bought uh, panties and a sack of this and a sack of that. And it worked out at about 20 pounds per woman. Wow. Business. Wow. And I, you know, I kept thinking this, you know, this can't be, you know, the, the, it can't be this simple. And if it is, what the fuck is Oxfam doing? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And we, it, it is that simple, Richard. It is that simple. Well, it's because remarkable. Because the women are unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. you can, <clears throat> you know, go out there with flicky hair and go, oh, it must be so terrible. Uh, we can do some uh, empowerment workshops. Or you just say to them who are living there, who are living the life, what's the best way to, not to fix it, but what's the best we can do? That that one sentence when you said it to them, uh, yeah. how can I help? That must have been extraordinary, like you just explained, because... You're on the ground with them. It, it, it must have been. You can't imagine it living in the Western world. Or no, like, no. Yeah. I mean that is. Yeah, that's yeah. that's the thing. And one of the one of the things that I've learned over the many, 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 many years <laughs> is that you know, if if you were here and you wanted to know how to fix something. You'd ask an expert. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm there and I'm trying to find a, a reasonably priced uh, way to help somebody out of life-threatening hoo-ha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ask yeah. an expert. And the expert is them. They might not look yeah. like an expert. It's, it's, it's interesting because other than my blog... The most creative thing I've ever done is write a play. I, I, I wrote and appeared in my own play with my best mate, and and we we put it on for comic relief. Tell me more. What was it about? It's it, uh, it's basically it's basically about me um, coming down to London from Carlisle. Uh-huh. I've got a successful girlfriend uh, live, uh, living in London. And I haven't got a job. I've, I, it's called The Applicant. And so I come down right. and I've never had a job interview in my life. And right. uh, it starts off, it's basically, um, I run out. It's my first interview. I look round. I'm in a waiting room. I sit down and I'm all silent and nervous and see the crowd and start talking to them. So it's a monologue. Uh-huh. about what, what me and everything. And then the guy comes on, the, the interviewer comes on, interviews me, and my interviews get better as I go along. Okay. The bloke, who, the, the bloke uh, my best friend, ha, uh, is very good at accents. He played all the interviewers. So as we carry on, the, the, the plot thickens. And when I, and I get given my uh, best, my, my ideal job, 
And as he as as the interviewer gives me the job, he kills me. <laughs> so the last scene. Well, presumably, your ideal job wasn't being a court and, and everything. But but he 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 goes, yes, we've given you the best job. And I remember running up and down, going bananas, going yes, they're already in tears, and then. And then I die, and then they do exactly what you're doing. Go, oh, and then, and then, and then the last scene is uh, me at the gates of heaven or hell or wherever we go to, being interviewed by God or whoever. Another interview. Saying, saying, uh, we've been watching you on Earth, and we think the best job for you here is to interview corpses. For, to decide whether or not they go to heaven or hell. I shrug my shoulders, the lights go out, and that's it. <laughs> Richard, please don't take this the wrong way. <clears throat> Have you ever considered intensive therapy? <laughs> that does not sound like the writing of a psychologically healthy man. The, I, the idea came from um, Martin Scorsese's, one of his few comedies, after Hours, have you ever seen After Hours with Griffin yeah. Duck? Whereas uh, that, it's him, there's a, there's a character uh, who leaves work at five o'clock and spends the entire film never going back home. He's trying to get back home all night. And uh, the last scene is him being plonked down, looking like crap all over it. And this computer just says, good morning, Paul, and the credits roll. So the whole idea was okay. he was never going to get the job. That's the point. Yeah. But how I've done it. <laughs> oh, it, God. It, it, it was very popular at the time. We did it I mean, in 2007. You, 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 seem like, you seem like such a jolly person. And you have <laughs> that was the point. twisted death. <laughs> My, I'm, my, I'm getting more and more glad that this is a Zoom chat and not in person. <laughs> my 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 favorite joke, if I can just say, is was his name. Uh, I called him uh, Norman Oliver Hope. So when he got all the rejection letters, it was Dear No Hope. <laughs> so you know, there's like, I mean, it was a comedy. It was just the premise of it. But but did you, any... <laughs> did you realize there are spaces on the free fringe, Richard? I was gonna. I was just gonna say. I originally wrote the play for yeah. the fringe. Whoa! And I've never looked at it again because I'm thinking, is this this is bonkers? But it, you know, it would go there, definitely. Bonkers yeah. is fringe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other, the other thing was um, you were saying before about um, doing stand-up comedy. I've actually had a go at it uh, at, at stand-up comedy. I've told a lot of comedians this. Um, I Harder knew, than it looks, isn't it? <laughs> oh well, wait till I tell you the story. I had, I knew a promoter years ago, and uh, I said I was one of these people. You know, like, oh, I can remember jokes from watching comedy and I, and I was very good in a pub and whatnot. I said, give me a go, give me a go. And I, I wrote a script about um, me crashing cars in Carlisle because I'd just passed me driving <laughs> Right. And, and he liked it, he liked it. So I walked out, there was three people in the crowd. It was a gong show. Uh-huh. It's the worst thing. You know, I mean, they're just, they're, they're just brutal. Yeah. There was three people in the crowd and I walked out and I said, um, 
Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. People think I look like Eddie the Eagle Edwards, the ski jumper, but I can't see the resemblance myself. Now, when I was at college, I was his double, and I thought, this is a fail-safe. Yeah. Some old bloke at the back just went, fuck off, and come to me on footsteps. Yep. And the, and, the, and the promoter said, have another go, have another go. And I said, I don't know whether I can do this. I said, never say never again, but... I think my space is in the crowd, and yeah, and, but and it's, but also happening. there is a, a a risk, a massive risk <clears throat> at gong shows and things. Yeah, in giving the audience that uh, that power. Yeah, because some people go to comedy to listen, to enjoy, to. Uh, to maybe even to get ideas, to see things in a different way, hopefully. And some just go to make other people's lives miserable. And I can't get that. You know, the gong show um, is one of those things where you, you are giving control to what might well be just a room full of cunts, you know? <laughs> who have absolutely <laughs> no idea about anything other than giving another human being a hard time. Yeah. I cannot fathom that when I go to no. any comedy. No. You know, the, 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 um, we, no. we're I mean, not there. There are, there are people who, these are the same people, probably as little children, got their yeah. fun picking the wings off flies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. And yeah. generally speaking, they have absolutely they are they are a skill and talent and charm free zone themselves. Yeah. But what will you know we as as humanity, we are a horrible species. We're a horrible, destructive, vile species. Yeah. And yeah. so one of the things that amuses us is watching somebody else being damaged. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. It, very you know, true. We, 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 it's, it's funny. You know, a, a, a comic has to be very good to deal well with, not with, there are, there are creative hecklers. And yeah. that, that's kind of backwards and forwards. It's, Mildly irritating because anybody, especially, uh, you know, I'm not going to pay, not that I would, uh, 25 quid to go and see a stand-up and then have some Muppet in the front row constantly interrupting him with what the Muppet fondly imagines is, uh, you know, pointed criticism. And yeah, 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 I'm totally Just, just the totally shoutings agree. of a sad sack. You know, it, it's... And I and I know that um, uh, a lot, what used what used to really really irritate me, and you could see it a mile off, where comics, well, comics, who were not good enough, didn't have good enough material, didn't have enough material, and there would come a point in the act, usually you know only about five, maybe five or 10 minutes in, and you could kind of see them thinking, this is not, I've kind of done all my good stuff. 
and it's not flown. And then what they do is they will pick on a couple of people in the audience and they will generate heckling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, <clears throat> that's that's not your job. You're not there to generate heckling. I've come and paid money to, to, uh, to see you, to hear you, to hear your wit and your, you know, performing brilliance. Mm. But not when you run out of stuff that you think is get, going to get laughs, <clears throat> you then know that a lot, there's a huge section of the audience love that kind of adversarial. Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. And either you, you goad somebody or you just, if you keep asking, somebody's going to say, you know, oh, yes, I'm a gynecologist or something. And then you can go, oh, right. Um, it's that I find unbelievably, I mean, groin desiccatingly. You and me both. It's, it, exactly. And, and, and it so annoys me. The, 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 the greatest um, stop to a heckle I ever saw was Ricky Grover at Headliners. Oh, my goodness. And, and 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 it was an there was a horrible bloke in the front row just yelling at his act and he and he, he stopped the act. <clears throat> Excuse me, he stopped the act and he and and he jumped down and he literally threw the man out. Yeah. And when he walked back on, it was to the sound it was to the sound of the theme from Rocky because he's yeah. an boxer. <laughs> And it was it just everybody yeah. stood up yeah. and it was yeah, it just wonderful. I mean, it, it can be. I remember, uh, oh, a long, long, long time ago. <laughs> um, I mean, a decade, more than a decade. And I went to see a then not at all well-known, not being on telly, Michael McIntyre. Yeah. And I just, he's a funny man. And he doesn't have a go at anybody. He doesn't. I, I just loved to watch him make people feel wonderful Good. and he yeah. was clever and he just glorious and he's yeah. got such respect for you know uh, comics of the past anyway it, that night um, he was playing where was he Pleasance Below I think I was um, there yeah, yeah. And uh, so, no, not Pleasance, well, maybe Pleasance Above, but it's the one where it's a rate that there's the stages here, there's a raked audience, and to get into the audience, you walk across the stage. It's above, I think, yeah. I, I think it's Pleasance Above. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and it wasn't full, but uh, I was on my way in, and I, I saw all these people standing outside and I was like show show and they were like yeah yeah and what they were doing and I I saw it again Michael was so wonderful at is so wonderful at uh, audience involvement and chat and, and not in a you know hot in, in just the Nasty most way. wonderful yeah. way he, yeah yeah he genuinely makes people feel like they're part of the show. Um, and 
there, I mean, now it's probably a bit more difficult because he's playing yeah. Wembley or whatever. It's difficult yeah. to make a member of the audience feel like part of the show <laughs> when they're half a mile away in a different postcode. But Pleasance Above, very easy. <laughs> what these people were doing, and I asked him about it, and he went, yeah, it happens a lot. They were waiting to come in late wow. so that Michael would talk to them and do something funny with them and you know and, and do do something Michaelish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, so they yeah, were yeah. they were deliberate, they were there on time and then they waited outside and they came in maybe That's because brilliant. they knew they had to cross. And he was he made such delightful humor yeah. with them. And then of course he's king of the callback. And, he, um, he, he, he is an extraordinary talent. I've, just, I've watched his career grow. It really I mean, and, and he had, you know, it wasn't easy because he is a, a, a lovely, warm, mm. cuddly, funny uh, guy at, coming up at a time where, uh, you know, being mainstream is practically worthy of a death sentence. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, again, back to my totally failed career. Uh, in I would never say that. Uh, you never <laughs> saw me, Richard. Um, <laughs> in the eighty, and again, this was something that I didn't really feel comfortable doing. But in the eighties, basically, you could end your set on a raging high uh, if you were female by using the word cunt or fuck. And it was like, oh my goodness, look, a girl's swearing. And the other thing was saying something horrible about Margaret Thatcher. Didn't need to be funny, just something horrible. You know, wish the bitch would die. Way, whoa. And it was, you know, there was that, that era spawned a lot of phenomenal comics. It also saw thousands of very lazy comics because it was just about, uh, you want to be shouty and left wing, swear a bit. And if you're a woman, you can maybe talk about sex and get the, <gasps> and it, so it, there, were, it, there were no shortcuts to good comedy, but there were shortcuts to a career. And it, it still, it makes me angry when people lump performers like Frankie Boyle and whatnot in with that. Yeah, yeah, you and me both. Yeah, you know, Frankie, and I mean, I don't know. What did you think about this? Is preempting something I'm, I'm going to try and write, uh, but it fascinated me and irritates me. Maybe even angers me that um, the same people. <clears throat> sorry, the same people who uh, went mental, they went Banzai because Jerry Sadowitz was cancelled because he got his cock out. They were, of course, he's got every right to get, what's wrong with having a performer getting a cock out on stage? Jordan Gray does it. And they are the same people going, that's absolutely disgusting, shouldn't be allowed. <clears throat> Quite frankly, and as, um, maybe I'm assuming too much, but as the owner of one yourself, 
<laughs> Julie, a cock is a cock is a cock. Exactly. <laughs> and if, exactly. If it's, yeah. if it's, I mean, I happen to think that's, there are many things that, that uh, you know, I don't think are all right to get out on stage, a, a loaded gun with which you could, you know, <laughs> a cock, it's just a dangly, frequently unattractive bit of anatomy. And I, I, the whole, I don't want, I don't want to get into cancelling and all that, but it, it, it really, when, when people, because I, I am a huge fan of both these performers and I know them both. I've known Jerry since the 80s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, it's that thing of people that don't know enough, you know, if, I think I'm on a bit of a roll here, Richard. If, it's wonderful. If you are tone deaf and you know nothing about classical music, nobody would pay any attention to you if you went, oh, that Wagner shit, oh my God, it's just a load of noise and the women are all fat and the hoyota hoing. People would go, you don't know anything about music. You yeah. are... An a musical ignoramus. Therefore, I'm not going to listen to your criticisms about music. But people who know and understand nothing about the mechanics of comedy, about the underpinning of comedy, about the way comedy works, and about how the different styles of comedy and, and, and whatnot, they are allowed just to say, uh, Sadowitz is just a foul mouth, blah, 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 blah. It's appalling. I was triggered. Get him off. And similarly, Jordan, they go, ah, oh, oh, he's not funny, blah, blah, blah. Get you. No, no, no. Understand about an art form or, or an entertainment form before you get to criticize it with any effect. Fine, go away into your little in hole and um i apologize for my use of the word hole uh, but just go, <laughs> you know, go away into your hole and mutter about how bad it is but you basically know nothing about how comedy works what the you know what the technicalities of it are why you know jerry doesn't just go on stage and say ugly things I think, I think... He's brilliant, and I think that, you know, Jordan yeah. does yeah. not... I mean, that was so beautifully planned. Everything she does yeah. is crafted. It's, yeah, more yeah. Difficult to, it's more difficult that's to see the, the craft. Key. Yeah. That's the key, the craft. Yeah. It's more yeah. difficult to see the craft um, yeah. in yeah. Jerry's stuff because yeah. he does anger yeah. so well. Yeah. Yeah. But he... Knows exactly what exactly yeah. I love I I I love both of them. And one of the reasons why the blog started was to follow the development of all the comedians. It's not just big names. Ah right, yeah. It's brand new. Yeah. I'm 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 a massive fan of going along to five five minute spots. I'm always the friend with the laugh. That's right. Yeah. I mean, listen in um. In Edinburgh, <clears throat> and yeah. this year, yeah. uh, I, I really enjoyed it. In Edinburgh, I really don't go and see any big names. Apart no. from that, 
Apart from the fact that I'm not going to go and see anything where a ticket's more than ten pounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and anyone who is charging more than ten pounds, they don't need a review from me. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But the, to find, although I don't think that the one hour, the fifty minute, one hour show, is for everyone. It's not yeah. for many people. And I I think that the Edinburgh has had quite a, a, a negative effect on a lot of comics and a lot of comedy yeah. because, you know, they're just the, the, a lot of the time, the mentality of a lot of comedians, you know, it's Edinburgh is all dicks on tables, metaphorical or actual dicks on tables and size matters. So if you come along to Edinburgh and you do like, I'm going to do 40 minutes, because I've got 40 minutes of gold and it would be a real shame, you know, to fit, spoil that with 20 minutes of shit, either at the beginning or end. Mm -hmm. for, I've got a beautiful 40 minutes. Do the 40 minutes. Mm -hmm. You know, it's um, the, there's probably more leeway in the free fringe or, or the free festival. I think that's uh a, a wonderful thing, but the the big venue people, um, and I'm I'm not I haven't a go with the big four or the big five or the big eight or however many it is now, uh, but it's very easy, yeah. you know. It's like colonialism when uh, yeah. after the war, uh, the Allies just went into Africa and did it with a ruler, which is you know, um, but you, I I. I'm a big fan of the split bill. I'm a big fan of, um, you know, the fortune, whatever you've got that's good, you know, don't just yeah. pad it out with shit. Yeah, yeah. What's, what's, what's interesting is I have met you twice and they were both memorable oh. occasions. Oh, the I didn't do anything one, terrible, did I? No, well, the first one was in order... Well, I didn't say in order, but but when I started the blog, I got an invite to the Amused Moose writing half-day course. Oh, yes. And you were speaking with yep. Steve Bennett from Chorlton. Now, right. everybody around me who was there wanted to be a reviewer. And is it Hills, Hills, Jago? Hills, Hills, Jago, yeah. And, and she said, um, we can't remember why we invited you, can you remind me? And I said, well, I've got this blog. I believe it's a unique thing because I'm doing it from an audience point of view. Um, I'm not a diarist. I'm not a critique. I'm not a reviewer. I'm a member of the audience out to have a good time. And she never bothered me again. And then you came on and spoke and really described brilliantly what it was like to be a reviewer mm -hmm. and a question I had for you, the questions have gone to the wall because I'm just fascinated listening. All right, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, how did you become a writer and a critic for the comedians in the first place? How did you join into, uh, to get into this? It's through the Scotland mainly, isn't it? The newspaper. Yeah, there's very, yes. I am, um... I wrote, I was writing various uh, things. You know, sometimes, the best times, someone just takes a leap of faith. 
and uh, I'd written a couple of bits and bobs and I met, how did I meet him? I can't remember. I met Robert Dawson Scott, who was then the arts editor of the Scotsman. Right. And that was in 1999. And I can't remember what I'd <clears throat> written for him. But he said that he liked the way I wrote. He liked the way I thought. And uh, he said, would I like to review for the Scotsman at the Fringe? And so I said, yes, of course. <laughs> um, and, and then, uh, you, I, well, that was 1999. There just wasn't the amount of comedy that there is now. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I reviewed uh, theatre and you know comedy. It, it was it was wonderful. I remember. Yeah, yeah. It, it was just an absolute joy. I loved reviewing theatre. Uh, there's so many layers, but I I think at some point, when you know when the fringe started to get huge. Uh, they just and and I was getting them more. You didn't get hits in those days, but more attention. Writing about comedy, um, I I kind of was I wouldn't say shunted well shunted over uh, to review purely comedy. Uh, once in a blue moon, they'll let me out uh, to theatre, but um, I. I am, you know, passionate about comedy, but even more than that, I'm passionate about things not being shit. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. and I'm passionate think... about not letting, you know, not letting ego run riot over everything, and then getting and, and I I hate laziness, I hate smugness. Um. And there's a lot of it around in comedy, a lot, a huge amount. It, you know, so, and now, now there's so much stand-up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it's kind of, it, it you know, it's, it's, I know it's a way of, um, it's a way of expressing yourself, it's a way of communicating, but, but and I'm not convinced that we need quite so much when quite so much of it is not very good. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. I mean, I I get criticised. I'll be I'll be totally honest with you. I'll be I get criticised for liking being so positive and so enthusiastic and liking and liking everybody. I don't like everybody, but yeah, good. Um, I I look at it because I, I I I'm guessing because I'm so passionate about it and I love to go and watch it. Yes. But yes. and that's great. Positiveness it's like, um, it's like panning for block. gold. Yeah. You know, you're yeah. never going to find the gold. Yeah. You go and see a lot of tat. Yeah. Pebbles. Pebbles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Discarded <laughs> condoms and dog poo out of the same <laughs> river. <laughs> That's that's what I love about you. Your frankness and honesty is amazing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, who was the first comedian you ever watched? And can you remember your first ever comedy review? Um, 
first comedian you mean because I I watched we were obsessive in our house about Morecambe and Wise obsessive reason and, why this blog exists yeah and and before that uh we were um again every Sunday was round the horn yeah brilliant yeah, at, at Sunday lunch so all my big memories and as I said earlier our kind of uh, family catchphrases are all from then. Um, I went to see Joan Rivers. Oh, brilliant. Phenomenal. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, quite early on, I, when I was uh, performing, when I was uh, acting and in, t- in telly and whatnot, I did a lot of panto, a lot of panto. And I love panto when it's done well. And that meant that you got to watch close up and personal, uh, the, you know, the dame or the whatever. And they would do. I learned more from a couple of not famous at all comedians who. Putting their their set, their, you know, their 10 minutes together. Um, I watched I don't know, uh, Tom O'Connor. <laughs> uh, well, actually, one of the one of the most impressive moments, and I, I remember it was I I hosted I, I was um, presenting a, a very strange cookery show, and it was recorded in Belfast, uh, BBC Ireland. Can't remember what it was called, but it, it basically was. Uh, it was a cookery show with a proper with different guest chefs and whatnot, but then the most unlikely non-foodie type guests. Uh, and one program, the guest was Bernard Manning. Oh God. And the pre- I remember the producer, I was going, just don't just don't let him on the stage because it, it was recorded in front of a live audience. Don't let him on the stage. Don't you just, this could all end so badly. So I, uh, we had a warm up man and everything, uh, but obviously nobody had given him the memo because uh, we were all in our places. And then instead of the warm up man, I had an earpiece, and everything, Bernard Manning walks on. And I could just hear them in the gun. <laughs> and he, I've, he said hello. You could see him. He was looking at the audience. He was checking them out. He did a couple of jokes. They laughed. Then, uh, and he was just watching them. And then he did 30 minutes of stuff that was right on the line. You could see the audience. They, they had that wonderful look of, um, I can't believe I'm laughing at this, but it's yeah, hilarious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he had, like, perfect pitch for an audience. Mm-hmm. He didn't want to upset anyone unless he could see that wasn't. But he can he could tell when an audience comes in wanting to be upset. 
Mm. You know, we're going to see. <clears throat> I mean, it's the same as, you know, the kind of thing that Jerry gets. People go yeah, yeah. who want to be outraged and horrified. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he knows an audience that, or he knew What's... an audience, and he just every single joke landed. And there was jokes about, you know, Catholics, Protestants, everything, the troubles. And um, I just, the, the skill, the technical skill yeah. was, was just, and, <clears throat> you know, it hurts me, it frustrates me you know, to hear some, you know, child who, you know, wears an outrageous T-shirt and uh, thinks that's a comedy act, having a go at someone like Manning. Of course, he, you know, the sexist, I mean, all of that. But I think if people properly listened to his stuff, they're not going to like it but they're going to realize that it's a little bit more nuanced. I mean, he did. He had a large part in creating the horror horror of the mother-in-law. Yeah. But um, he, you know, any comic plays to his audience, you know? We we saw him. I was was in a nightclub in Carlisle with some friends, and... uh, there was a guest comedian on, but they didn't leave it. They, they didn't reveal his name. Right. And he, and he walked on and he lasted 60 seconds. He was trying right. to tell a joke. Yeah. And he got and he got he got booed off and walked on. And I never saw him again. And uh, uh I thought I thought it was quite uh I couldn't believe he walked off because I thought he would be quite bullet steel. Yes, yes. Who was it? It was Bernard Manning. He walked off after? He walked off after one minute because they just booed him off. This this would be about 1980, something like that, when right. he was just after the comedians. So he, so he, was, a, he, he was certainly a named comic yeah. in Carlisle because of Bolton and all the rest yeah. of them. Um, we were, we, I, you know, I do we, think we, the, we were quite surprised because because the Carlisle audiences are quite ruthless. Certainly yeah. nowadays, with a lot of the comedians that play Carlisle now, but then they just booed him right off, and that was it. The other, the other one was um, you mentioned wow. Tom O'Connor. Yeah, um, uh, we saw him on holiday, and. Uh, uh, he lays claim to uh, me uh, uh, realizing I've got a great laugh because I yeah. was sitting there. He was doing his patter, yeah. and I I started laughing at him. I'd be about ten years old, <laughs> and it and it and it floored him with my laugh. And he walked off stage, come back on, adjusted himself, and then I had to carry on. And I thought, what was that? I I, I realize I've got this laugh. <laughs> Whoa! So he's he's in the blog. A special note. Um, uh, have you ever regretted writing a review? No. 
No. <laughs> no, I, I, no I really, and, and, and I think that's the right answer. I mean, there there are many that get you know thrown back in my face and whatnot. No, I I don't just um, have a goal for no reason. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, there's there is, there is specific obvious yeah. reason to do it. Yes. Um, Very occasionally, you know, I'll think I was too kind. Yeah, yeah, uh, and, yeah, and very occasionally I will. I, if somebody, if a if a comedian is a personal friend of mine, I, I feel I can't review them. Yeah, and you know I, because I I know that I would forgive them things that I wouldn't forgive someone else, mm. um, and I. I do worry if I review, like, you know, for example, Tanya Lee Davis. She, she's a brilliant comedian. She's wonderful. I absolutely fucking adore the woman. But I'm not sure any longer that I could be 100% objective. Yeah. Because I I, 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 I just love her. She's wonderful. Um, so, so it's, yeah. But but no, I've never, no. never, never. It's in, it's interesting because the second memorable time I saw you, um, yes. When I go to the fringe every year, yeah. I've I've been very lucky to be able to go. It's my annual holiday, and I see about fifty shows. I've I've gone since twenty oh five. Yeah. Um, do a giant spreadsheet, and all my friends come along. I I was with a mate of mine who who. Very dear friend, but he but yeah. if he if he's heard the act before, he will tell me straight away. Yeah. And um uh we were watching the Malcolm Hardy comedy uh, award uh, show, yes, and Charlie Chuck walked on and did a routine about chocolate biscuits that I was crying at, and my mm -hmm. friend never got. And then you appeared as a guest. <laughs> Ah, and I thought this this is wonderful, and and I wish I'd gone up to you afterwards and said hello. Oh, but, uh, they, but, but you were memorable that night. And, thank you very much. I mean, the the hard words are. I mean, I, I it was John Fleming. Who's, yeah, yeah. Uh, just an extraordinary brain, uh, an extraordinary repository of uh, comedy knowledge brilliant writer and I was so uh chuffed when he asked me to be in the on the judging it was brilliant. Panel. It was and it so opened silly. up opened up a whole new because the the the, the people who I mean I, I remember doing a, a couple of things with Malcolm and spending I wish I'd uh, seen in Edinburgh spending Spending, but I did an interview with him in character. I had, I used to have this character uh, called, I think she was called Maisie. Mm. She was a marvelous woman, yes, a, a yeah. morning side lady. But uh, <laughs> she didn't, as the young people say, take no shit. Um, <laughs> so Maisie went because, you know, he's a dreadful man. He gets his bits out. I think I remember. Uh, so I was interviewing this Malcolm Hardy. He doesn't even spell his second name properly. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I 
was interviewing him and that was all great, it was good fun. And then they decided that they wanted this photograph because we talked a lot about his extraordinary testicles, which- I think I can hear see what's coming. <laughs> so we were in this, I think it was Opium or one of these uh, pubs on the Cowgate doing the interview. And we were there for about an hour trying to get the shot which was me sitting like this and Malcolm standing above me on two boxes with his legs like that and his testicles dangling down, pretty much resting. <laughs> uh, and it was, um, he was, uh, he was a great, great guy. But the whole <laughs> Hardy Awards, that's a, that's a whole different world. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you, know, you you know, the the the, cr the crazies, mm. the weirdos, the, mm. and that's, I love that. I never used to. It's, I'm the same. I love, I love originality. I love yeah. um, so off field that, yeah. that why are we watching this? I mean, I mean, my blog holds so many memories for me. I remember my first ever comedy store in London, which was... Um, uh, um, Phil Jupiter's Linda Smith, God bless her. Ah, yes. Uh, what a what a talent. Um, uh, Richard Martin and yeah. uh, Charles Fleischer, who went on to to um, play Roger Rabbit in. Oh my goodness! And, and never heard of again. Um, what do you think uh, the future holds for the comedy industry? I I think it will have to um, well I, I think that, that you can look at social media as a very very good thing or an absolutely dreadful thing the democratizing effect of social media means that you don't need an agent you don't need a you don't need anything and start fame Fame can be got purely uh, with self-belief and whacking out the old TikTok videos. Now, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Okay, I do. I kind of think it's a bad thing, but because there's so much rubbish out there. But there is an infinite amount of space out there for all the shit just to go out and float around. Yeah. And then you, as a as a viewer, as a, as a consumer, have got the whole. You've got worlds to choose from that you would never have had access to because there were so many gatekeepers before, you know, and gatekeepers and salesmen, and that meant that that to get your one comedy out there. You know, you had to get past the gatekeeper and you had to persuade the salesman that you were saleable. So if you were something really new and a bit crazy and, you know, like a lot of the the hard, the Malcolm Hardy type comics, you didn't really have that much of a chance. Yeah, yeah. You didn't yeah. look that saleable. You're probably not going to get on live at the Apollo. Um, although that's, that's fairly recent. So... Yeah. Uh, 
taking your, I'm using the word arguably wrongly, but certainly loosely, taking your talent online and letting it find its audience, I think is, I, I, you can't say it's not a good thing because it's yeah. fake. You yeah. know, it's, it's, you know, you fling out all the shit and what floats, floats. And, and that, and, and when it floats, it doesn't float because it's being buoyed up by a manager or a this or a that or a whatever. Um, and and I, I do think that a lot of the people who, who go online, who put their stuff online, the TikToks, the, uh, all of those, they work very hard. Yeah, I think and I they hold their stuff. I think what brain. it is is um, it, it could turn into uh, not a very happy hunting ground for live comedy. You know that because we are creating a generation of consumers who can only cope with things in five minute bites. Yeah. Um, and who also are taking it for granted that they can, the minute they see what you're doing, they just go, well, that was fucking shit. I wish you'd go and die. Yeah, um, yeah. And, yeah. and that, again, doesn't really translate that happily to a live, uh, a live environment. So I, I think what might be in danger is live comedy. Um, and that's a shame because I believe... Oh, absolutely. Be but I, I think that um, the world is massively opening up. Yeah, yeah. Anybody. Yeah. And, and that does mean the tragically under-talented. Yeah. Um, but there's, you know, you've only got to look at what is out there and what's getting the three million hit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know the my idea of the tragically untalented is not your idea of the tragically untalented. And why should I, you know, back to the old way of doing things, why should I get to say, no, you're tragically untalented. I'm not allowing you on my program. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I can say, I think you're tragically untalented in a review, but yeah. that's going to be neither here nor there in terms of you. I mean, I think. I do think that anyone that uh, goes to comedy on the basis of reviews is an idiot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, uh, I mean, I think it's good to read them all, to understand maybe the subtext in some of them. And, uh, but don't make up your mind on the basis of a review. And on certainly review. don't make yeah. up your mind yeah. on the basis you never know of some random star Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, this has been one of the best interviews for my blog. I could listen to you all day. You know, I'm a, I'm such a big big fan. Um, I've got you. I've got I've got one more question before we go. Um, because yes, you yes, are... you can send me my fee in cash. <laughs> Mind you, well, <laughs> the fee is laughter. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm overpaid. I hope that's What's the question? <laughs> Um, I've got I've I've got one more question because you are such an expert writer and speaker, and you mm. are. Thank you. Do you have any advice for me and my blog and podcast? 
just go with your gut. You probably have a greater, wider, deeper knowledge and understanding, certainly knowledge of comedy and comics and what is out there and who is out there. You are open-minded. And once your blog gets gazillions of hits, then every so often just find somebody that nobody's heard of apart from you. Because, <laughs> exactly. Because exactly. If, if you think this person is fascinating, I think other people will think they're fascinating, but they need a you yeah. Yeah. to get them on. You could well, be a star maker, Richard. Well, thank you so much. You're, no you're so kind. And, and let's meet up again very soon. I'm, yes, I'm coming to the Leicester Comedy Festival. Right. I, 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 really you, want I know to you're come. doing a talk there. Yeah, I am. Yeah. So Twitter of the Edinburgh Fringe. I might well, I might well see you there. I know, yeah, but definitely next fringe. Brilliant. We'll, we'll, we'll oh, meet. definitely. It's been an absolute joy. Right. Thank you so Take so care. much. Take All care. the best to you. Thank you.